You're listening to DraftKings Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan. And as always, I am joined by, I think you're now a finally officially a Bostonian, having finally celebrated your first St. Patty's Day in Boston. Sarah Sivian, how are you? Yeah, we celebrated. Uh, it's Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, and I'm finally feeling not weird. So that's good. I think I, that's a one and done for me. I'm done with St. Patrick's Day. I'm not Irish. <laughs> and we, of course, would not be too many men without. It is a joyous day. A mom to a new puppers. Oh God, a mom. A parent, an, a leader, a, a mentor to a new pup. Yeah. Shayna Goldman. Shayna, say hi and tell us the name of your new puppers. Hi. The new pupper's name is Mika. Rich got the honor of Mika naming her. He wanted Mika Zabana dog. He's very passionate about this. When I said I want a puppy, <laughs> he immediately responded, yes, but the name has to be Mika Zabana dog. So I'm fine with that. She's adorable. She's perfect. Amazing. She's DJ? Well, yeah, she's back to the elite DJ. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get headphones for her because I think that'll be super cute to have like the over ears. with her ears like (laughs) popping through them. Well, we are honored to be joined by someone that I know all three of us at Too Many Men just adore and look up to and have the utmost respect for. Sarah, you have the honor of introducing our very, very special guest this episode. I know she needs no introduction, but when I think about our podcast and how it can exist, I I think she pretty much paved the way for women in hockey specifically. And she's a Canadian rock vocalist, actress, and television personality. And you already know who it is, Tara Sloan. Thank you for coming on. We're all honored and a little bit, I don't know, I'm starstruck. Yes, totally. Meant so much to all of us in different ways. And we'll get into that. And I think it ties into your new job in San Jose. It's just so perfect. I kind of want to get into like, you have been so outspoken about women's rights and, and standing up for what's right. And where did that maybe come from for you? I I didn't feel like I had a lot of power in many of my situations. When I was young in the music business, um, you know, I always felt like I was in danger of of losing a record deal, um, falling off the radio charts, not getting this, not getting that. And so wasn't able to take stands in, in ways that I wish I had. And as I became, as I got older, um, as I became maybe more tenured in the hockey world specifically, um, but also empowered. You know, I had a crew at Hometown Hockey. We were just a a bit of an island within the Sportsnet, um, I don't know, stratosphere, really. Like we just, we were our own group. And so the the leadership there, Allison Redmond, who was the executive producer, all the producers, Ron McLean himself, um, we all encouraged that in each other. And I was... It just, it, they helped me find um, my voice and, and use my voice. And now I'm at a, at the point where, you know, it's just kind of what I do. And I guess I, it's also a little compulsive. I can't help it. Um, you know, and I, it's not always pleasant, right? It's like not always, the result is not always nice. And I never really saw myself as becoming a, a divisive um, figure. And I am. And that's super weird for me. But I just... I just speak up for what I see as being 
Right. I, I had a boss once that said, sat me down and was like, we love your energy on Twitter, but you're right here and we need you right here. I'm like, I think I'm either going to be right here or all the way down there. Like not having that support can really hurt. But then you're like, oh, I, I didn't mean to be the problem child of this company. I just, yeah. like, I'm trying to do the right thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, there was a time at Sportsnet where we were discouraged from being controversial um, and that changed. And I have to give Sportsnet some credit for um, you know, giving me the space to be who I am, um, to say some things on broadcast that, you know, didn't necessarily land with everybody. Um, and I haven't gotten a, a rap on the wrist here in San Jose. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. You know, I, I mean, I work for a team now too. It's a, it's a, it's a different, um, ball game, right? I, I can't be necessarily as objective <laughs> and you guys know right. what that's like. It's different. So it feels like that's something, you know, how you mentioned, like, we always have to fear if we do anything, we're going to lose our jobs or we're not going to get offered anything. Like, do you have any advice on how not just someone starting out, but just in general, like how we can kind of not feel that way? Like, do you, do you have any tips? No, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I, I, you know, I sort of, I recognize my inherent privilege. Like when I started, you know, being really outspoken it is, again, when I found, you know, when I had a certain tenure, when I felt some kind of safety job-wise, you know, I think hometown hockey was at, in its time, um, I, I didn't feel like we were going to go away or I was good. I was an integral part of, of, you know, what that represented. And, you know, I am a white heterosexual cisgender woman. Like there's a lot of privilege that comes with where I am. And I have used my voice and I have been punished at times too. So no, I think you, you always have to do what makes you feel comfortable. And if you can find ways to not feel like you're compromising yourself, great. But I think it's really important for people not to beat themselves up um, for not being able to to speak out the way that they wish because consequences can be real life. And even consequences online are just absolutely, I have a lot of friends who I know are super aligned with the way that I think and feel who do not put themselves out there the way that I do. And I get it because the, the backlash and, and like dealing with that energy is really hard. Tara, I wanted to ask you to, I know we have all experienced this. One of the things I respect so much about you is you don't just speak your mind. You have done the work to be very, very educated. And you've talked to the people in the communities that you might be advocating for defending and just to Shana's point too, how, what advice can you share with all of us? Because I do feel like when we speak out, the consequences on social can be so much worse. And so we have to be ready to defend with 18,000 facts. It can't just be, we think this, or we feel this. Right. What is your advice on getting educated? Because to your point, we're all of privilege and we can't ask the communities to do the work for us before we fight for them. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, the, the answer is inherent within the question. Like you have to be able and willing to to put in the work and and I've made mistakes very visibly um I had a show called top of her game and I was interested in learning about you know all these anti-trans legislations that were um, being pushed through and I I talked to a, a amazing reporter who was not a person in the trans community and I took some heat for that and I learned from that I will never do that again um so I think it's important to not just, you know, spend the time learning and unlearning, um, but also just be willing, you know, to to make some mistakes along the way, which can also be quite painful. 
What is the best mistake you've made? Maybe. Is there one? Um, I mean, I think that was one of the most enlightening, right? And in retrospect, I'm like, oh my God, like I wouldn't like, I just, it's like, why would I like what I talk about black lives matter to somebody who wasn't black? Like it just, it, it was like such a duh moment. Like Tara, what are you thinking? I think that was a really profound one. You know, I talk a lot about my travels on hometown hockey and how I think it was a, a true education for those of us on, on the tour, um, learning about indigenous communities in, in Canada um, specifically. And, you know, I'm trying to learn about, the indigenous communities here where I live now, um, that to me was the best education and just an absolute eye opener for, for all of us. Amazing. Well, we didn't have you on just for this, but of course (laughs) the team that you cover and work for has been in the spotlight for good and bad reasons, um, not related to on ice activities per se. Um, first of all, I have to say, can you tell us about what was the vision? You talked about this, the vision for how San Jose was going to bring their Pride Night to life. The logo alone is straight fire. I would kill for that merch. It was amazing. But what did the Sharks envision and how did they execute their Pride Night? It was so good. I feel like it was just one of the most thorough executions in the NHL. Um, everything kicked off uh, on a Monday night. Uh, the San Francisco Earthquakes LGBTQ hockey team uh, have been around for a long time. And so there was a scrimmage on the SAP ice, which was really fun for people, um, against some of the front office staff. So Sharky dropped the puck. Um, Coach Quinn was there and actually stayed behind the bench with the Earthquakes, which was a huge thrill for for that team. So that sort of kicked everything off. Um, the The night itself, there were some pregame festivities with some charitable organizations and drag shows and educational, uh, a huge educational component. Um, the I have to give such a shout out to the social team there. They flipped the social feeds to education, facts, uh, learning. Um, The night itself was uh, amazing and, you know, just really about making space for that community. And what am I missing? Oh, the logo. And then then the logo with this uh, from this amazing biracial queer artist from the area, Howie Chow, um, who just put so much love and care into it. And you know, I, I know this also for me, I know how much work they do internally and how much it matters to this team. And, you know, when I had my first meeting with Jonathan Becker, who's the president here, um, I knew this was a team that aligned with my values and was looking to, you know, make hockey culture more inclusive. So I knew that this wasn't just a performative action. I, I felt that too. You can just tell when you were watching it and everything that went into it and how planned it was, not just the social team, but all the events. And I, I think in a league right now where there's precedents being set about pride jerseys, I think the Sharks absolutely did the right thing where they still wore them. They let whoever didn't want to explain their own side, but they still had, you said there's a biracial queer artist who created the Uh, jerseys and i remember the ducks artist spoke out and said Mm -hmm. uh, she was so worried the night before that maybe they wouldn't put the jerseys on the ice and how much that meant to her so i think when we're saying the debate of should teams if one person doesn't want to wear it should they scrap it all together i don't think so at all i I think it's powerful to still have people wear it 
Yeah, you know, Elliot Friedman, bless him. He's he called me afterward. He want he wanted to make sure that I was okay. He knew that this would be a hard would have been a hard day for me. Um, and he said, look look at it this way. You know, like nineteen out of twenty players put it on intentionally um, because it does feel like now it's almost optional <laughs> because I think before there just was this sort of group momentum where if a team was going to wear it, a team was going to wear it, and now all of a sudden, you know permission seems to have been granted. Um, so that's true. And yes, I do think they did the right thing. And we know that it's not necessarily within hockey culture. I get why the Rangers and the Wild and the oh, the Islanders wouldn't have done it anyway, I guess. But um, no, the Islanders I, only care about the St. Patrick's Day jerseys and yeah. the military Night jerseys. Yeah. Company I, policy. It's confusing messaging, isn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, I get that whole, I, I'm so glad that the team mentality um, didn't take over uh, this, this pride night. So, but you know, it just feels like one step forward, two steps back. And, and I, like I said on, on the broadcast and in the athletic article, I, it was just sad that the, decision that James Reimer made overshadowed everything. And quite frankly, on our broadcast, we only, we touched on it during our pregame because we felt like it needed addressing. If we, if we didn't talk about it, we weren't talking about the news of the team, right? Like it's just, okay. Um, But we didn't touch it for the rest of the night. Like it wasn't the focus and we wanted it to be about a celebration um, for that community. And we wanted to create on broadcast a space where people felt safe and welcome. So I, that was something I actually had when I was thinking about talking to you today. That's something I wanted to ask you because, and I'm not picking on the individuals, I get it, but like Elliot is one of them. There have been a couple prominent media voices who their narrative is, but it's all, it's fine. Look at how far we've come. Mm-hmm. And I'm struggling with, I get it, mm-hmm. but I'm struggling with that message a little bit because I feel like respectfully, most of these people saying this are white cis men. <laughs> and for people who have maybe felt marginalized for other reasons, it still is hurtful. And I almost feel like if you're saying that to other people who have not been marginalized, they go, oh, see, but it's still good. And I don't know how we balance saying there is progress, but it's still not okay. I was concerned with that messaging. Am I making any sense at all? Yes. Oh, no, I I completely agree with you. Um, And all you have to do is look out there in the world and see how much we are not making progress. And in fact, I think that there has there is a cultural regression um, and there is so much demonizing of the the LGBTQ community, um, trans people. It is so dangerous to be a trans person. And so, yeah, like, sure, you can. I mean, if I was on a debate team, I guess I could go, well, you know, it's just one small gesture. But it's a it's a gesture that's actually incredibly meaningful. And by intentionally not making that gesture, you really are, I believe, giving energy um, to uh, a movement that is dangerous. And that's the problem right now. We no, we are not making so much progress. <laughs> like, um, and you know, I I defer to the great people out there like Brock McGillis, who, you know, who are part of the that community who who can speak better to it, but um, listen, I have trans family members. I have queer family members. I um, I see firsthand um, the the danger of of being out, and so I, you know, I, I can't speak firsthand, but I can speak pretty closely. 
So it feels like every time there's an instance like this, you know, and anyone comments on it, you'll get the immediate responses of not everybody has to be this group thing and go with it. I, I know you asked Brian Burke a lot about this too. Like what, what do you, do you think it means to wear the pride Jersey? Like what's the symbol the players give by wearing it without necessarily saying, you know, like I know that I support it, but, but like, what is it? What do you think it means when the players actually do put on the Jersey and celebrate pride night? Everybody's welcome here. Everybody's safe here. I, I really do think it's, it's as simple as, as that. Like I just kind of, yeah, I just, thought like if I was on a team and not to get too far into this, but if there was a Muslim night, for instance, I would have no problem wearing a jersey that, I mean, it's like, I think Brian said, like, you're not signing up for a fan club or (laughs) like it's, it it really is, isn't an endorsement per se. It's just a, a message of support. Like you're, you're good in this space. This space is for you. That's, I really agree with him on that. And I want to make a quick point on that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but obviously Brian Burke's post-game comments have gotten a ton of attention and I have only seen them attributed to the NBC outlet. It is in fact true that you are the person that got that quote from Brian Burke, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. So again, everyone who's citing that quote (laughs) and it should be cited and it's amazing. Here is your source. (laughs) She has a name. She has a Twitter Please use it. Don't just use the outlet upon which she was on giving yeah. the quote that she worked to get for. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate that. I definitely have been looked at it. I'm like, oh, okay, there's no right. attribution whatsoever. And, you know, I do I, when NDB, when NBC is, um, you know, giving credit, I, I like that because they, sure. again, they gave me the space to have that discussion. Um, but yeah, sure. It was, I, it was me. <laughs> I tag, I mean, it was Say it with pride girl. Come yeah, on. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I listen, I, I've known Brian for a long time. Um, we had the conversation when he came through with, with Pittsburgh. So I asked him about what he thought about Ivan Provorov not wearing the Jersey. So I knew he was, you know, I knew he knew James Reimer and I knew he'd have something to say. And he just sent me that quick little quote, which yeah, has gotten a lot of play, which is great. These are the kind of things that can happen when your employer like is not just tolerating you, is celebrating you. So that's great. And I know you're doing great work in the community ever since you got there. What are some of your favorite projects that you've been involved in? Well, for me, it's just it's like, you know, on hometown hockey, you would go into a community for a weekend and have to dig around and like find all the stories. Right. And that's what I feel like now I'm doing kind of for a job. And it's a little harder here because it's hockey is not part of the fabric of Northern California, the way it is all across Canada and in some markets in, in the U S. Um, so it, what's fun for me is just, is really finding the people who are doing the great work, you know, the people who run the, the ice pads and are, are making sure that hockey is accessible for people. Um, the one step sharks hockey program is one that is so amazing. This guy who his name's Jared Woosley, and he's a he's a rock and roller. I can't believe we actually didn't um, cross paths on the festival circuit in the early 2000s. But uh, an alt rock and roller, he got into uh, he, teaching um, people with learning disabilities about music. And then he's like, but he was a goalie when he was young. And so he started this one step program uh, with the Phoenix Coyotes and with the Sharks. So it's just like there's people like that that just don't necessarily, you know, they're not always on the radar. And I, I just I love finding that stuff. How different is the vibe for you in San Jose versus working with Sportsnet? Like, it feels like sometimes there's a superiority, like we hear, 
from like Canadian markets versus American markets. And now you're in a kind of untraditional market, right? So it's not the Southern team so much as like Florida, but it is a little bit more untraditional. Like how different is it for you? Um, Honestly, it's, it's been refreshing in a way because I actually think because it's not a like as traditional a hockey market, although it's been a very successful hockey market, um, it has a really um, a lot more diverse fan base, you know, and that for me has been interesting to to observe. And we see that in a lot of the theme nights, you know, that the that the Sharks do um, huge, obviously Hispanic population. We're in California. And so that's really interesting to see how that's integrated in the work that the team does. For me personally, I mean, yeah, it's all obviously different being on like one of the marquee NHL broadcasts in Canada where hockey is, you know, the number one sport. Um, but there's a little, I guess, a little less pressure, you know, like it's it's really intense um, being on, on a national NHL broadcast in Canada. And so uh, I'm not going to say it, like it's no less work and it's, I take no less pride in it, but it definitely isn't, I'm not in the microscope quite as much, which I, I don't mind. <laughs> All right, you have thrown it out there subtly a couple times. We need to know what it's like to be, I'm just going to say a rock star for real. Like actually, <laughs> like tell us that whole journey. Like how did that come to be part of who you are and how you like to express yourself? Well, I don't think I'm a rock star, but I definitely had that life experience. So I studied music all through school, although my first intention was to be an opera singer, but I just did not have the discipline for that. I just did not. I could not spend hours a day in, in a little rehearsal room. Um, I ended up going to theater school, but music was always my love. And I I moved to Toronto and was looking in the back pages of a weekly paper. Those existed back then. And I just, I found an ad that was like, looking for rock goddess, blah, blah, blah. Call Tony. <laughs> and this was in, oh my God, 1996. And... I answered and I met these guys, Tony, Thomas, and Tom, Tara. Um, they already had the band together uh, called Joy Drop and they were looking for, you know, for a singer. And that kind of took it, it just took off. I had no clue, honestly, that um, you could really make music a, a career. I, I just, I loved music. I wanted to be on stage doing it, but um yeah, we got a record deal. We were signed with a label called Tommy Boy out of New York. Um, toured relentlessly, like 200 shows a year for you know five years. Um, had you know had some had some success. I would say like moderate success. Had some songs on the alternative charts down here in the states and in Canada. And um, you know it was it was hard. It was really hard being on the road. That much is hard. Being the only woman in a very, very male world is hard, um, but I'm so glad I did it. It was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it. I wish I had had, had enjoyed it more, frankly. Mm -hmm. I think you're you always looking for the next success and so afraid of that success falling off that you forget to like look around and be like, oh, I'm on a stage with whatever, like Blink-182, that's neat, you know? 
stuff like that. I don't think yeah, I No big deal. <laughs> Rod Brindamore always says that and I'll never forget it. Like we always ask what, like, what do you miss from your playing days or what advice you give to these guys? And he always says, stop and smell the roses and enjoy where you're at. But it's one of those things that can be impossible <laughs> at the time because you're just like so focused on what's next. But you do have those sweet moments that yeah. you cherish. Yeah. And, you know, my band, I'm still really close with a couple of the guys. We we have um, some writing planned for this summer. Oh, my and, God. She's back. But, but at this <laughs> and at this point, it's just fun. You know, it's really nice not to be like, OK, uh, I need to pay my rent. So I hope <laughs> that we, you know, book these shows. It's just we want to do it because we love music and we love each other. How does the passion of that coincide with your passion for broadcasting and hockey? Is it all kind of connected? I think it has to be, you know, like I obviously uh, need attention because I've <laughs> always said everything that just is so outward facing. Um, but I do think, you know, there's sort of a curiosity about life. And that's why, like, sure, like there are, I love learning about stats and I love the game of hockey itself. But the stories are what are, you know, most interesting to me. And I think that as a musician, as an actor, as an artist, you are a student of life. And so in that way, I think it all, it all kind of ties together. It's yeah, yeah, just about being curious about the world. It's funny that because you shared too, you know, you're doing some roles here now this year for the first time that you hadn't done before. You were not necessarily prepared to become part of a band and tour across <laughs> the country. I've just gone through this process of doing a job I had never considered doing and I'm still learning on the job. What is your advice? I feel like we're in this place now too, where people don't, you don't have to have the education for the job that you then do for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. What is your advice or experience from just doing shit you never thought you'd be doing and figuring it out on the fly? I have to recognize that I, I've been, you know, fortunate to land in situations where I've been allowed to fail, <laughs> I guess. You know, when I first got into TV, I worked at a little station in Toronto. I did entertainment. Um, but I that stuff doesn't even happen anymore. There aren't those local stations anymore. So first of all, you have to have like the opportunity. But again, I think it's about knowing that you're going to make mistakes and just sucking that up and be like, okay, I'm going to take that and learn from it. Because if you have fear of, of falling flat, then, you know, you, you just won't do it. Um, but yeah, just listening and learning and I, I do think that the the most important quality, you know, for anybody in media is just an insatiable curiosity, just just learning and 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 also trusting in your own value, which is so hard. Yeah. I mean, I say that like <laughs> like as if I do for my own self. But somebody once said to me, um, authentic, your authenticity is your superpower. I think I was explaining to them how I don't feel like a I'm not very broadcastery. You know, like I don't have a broadcastery voice or I don't feel like a broadcastery person. And they're like, yeah, but your authenticity is your superpower. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. That's true. So, yeah, trust that whatever you're bringing is also really special. Um, I love that. Uh, so I want to ask, too, about like your it's very superficial, but whatever. But like your fashion choices are so bold and I love them. So like, what is the inspiration behind some of it, too? Because like it's. Look, it's a male-dominated field than like men wear their plain suits all the time and are bland and that's how they're okay being. And it's nice, like, 
I don't know how to be nice. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm the least polished of all of us here. Um, but, you know, like, for one, like, it's cool to see, like, you wear things that are super bold and exciting. You know, it seems like the Sharks broadcast too, like, they're very willing to, like, the analysts on it. But, like, yeah, what is the inspiration behind some of your, like, bold choices? Well, first of all, for me, just personally, like, there is a, I just need to be comfortable. So for, you know, ever since I worked at um, the morning show that I worked at at, in Calgary, it's kind of jeans and blazers have been my, my go-to. I just, I can't with dresses, like not, I I can't. And I just, yeah, I, I love dresses on other people, but I just have a hard time finding dresses that look good on me. Um, But I have to give 1 million percent credit to Deborah Berman. Deborah Berman is the wardrobe stylist for Sportsnet and for all of Rogers, really, um, who, you know, was definitely informing my choices, if not just picking the stuff for me. So I'm lucky to have inherited a bunch of uh, blazers specifically from my Sportsnet days that I just carry with me. And then she's sort of my inspiration going forward. Just to me, it just looks better on TV. Things just pop. Well, now I'm going to eat my words after I just criticized reporters for being too optimistic about things. But (laughs) we talked about how you are such a guiding light for all three of us. And you've seen so much in this industry and in this world. What concerns you and what excites you about the state of women in sport right now? Well, I mean, I I guess I only you know, can speak within my lived experience. Um, But what concerns me is, uh, well, a few things, the continued maltreatment of women on social media specifically, Um, because it's sort of one thing to, you know, help elevate women to a position. But (laughs) when there's that kind of feedback, it's why would you want to stay? Like if I'm a kid, my daughter reads my social media, which is awful. But like, if I'm a kid and I'm looking at that reaction, like stay in the kitchen, you dumb bitch, like, why am I putting myself in that position? So I'm concerned that that's not, it's not only not getting better, it's getting worse. Um, And I'm concerned about, you know, how few women I, I'm seeing in, you know, the upper echelons of, of leadership. Um, You know, I think in terms of what's visible, uh, yeah. There are lots of women on broadcasts now, more women in the control room, but you know, I'm just not seeing a, a lot of networks and um, certainly not a lot of teams being led by women. Um, on the other hand, you know, I we are seeing you guys. I mean, you you know, like our we do have a voice um, collectively, and there are more women. I mean, we see them, you know. I hope behind the bench, Um, but, you know, seeing women GMs and uh, scouts and more in other sports, I would say, you know, there are coaches and, um, and a woman GM in baseball. Wow. So it's, it is just slow. It's too slow. And I'm, I'm really concerned with the world and how I do feel like our rights are being eroded and our rights are being not just eroded, they're being erased. And so I'm concerned about how that ripple effect, you know, will take hold in every facet of life. Amazing. Well, our dear friend, we end every episode with our favorite game of Fuck, Mary Kill. And we were hoping you would join <laughs> us for it. Are you in? Uh, yes, I'm in. Yes. Okay, awesome. Well, 
in honor of our VIP, Tara Sloan, we have a music artist sort of based Fuck, Mary Kill. Sarah, I'll have you go first to kind of prime the pump a little bit. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. Okay, here you go. Fuck, Mary Kill, performing in front of a live audience, performing in front of a TV audience, or I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> um, I am going to marry performing in front of a live audience. I, I have a problem. Sometimes I need to get better with this when I'm on TV where I'm just kind of like, Looking at the camera, I'm, I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like it's fake. I don't know. I, I I like live audiences. They energize me and I feel like it's, I don't know. I love that. I'm going to fuck me. Uh, I don't know because I really don't know. <laughs> I, I don't have enough experience with any of this. And I am going to kill the TV, which is kind of crazy because I do want more TV opportunities. So I hope no one's <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> All right, you're next. Okay. Um. Well, not not so different. I definitely marry uh, live audiences. For me, that's like the the reciprocity of energy is just that's where I feel like I'm comfortable. Um, I guess I'll marry the television. It's sort of it is it does feel like a bit of a, a marriage. Like you know, it's it's what I do. I don't always love it. Um, and then yeah, absolutely, I, I just kill the not at all. Perfect. Shayna? Um, I'm going to marry the, uh, nah, like, I don't know, because uh, <laughs> not my vibe, not what I'm trying to do. Uh, I would like to be the bestie off to the side, whether it's like one of you guys catching it on like TV or a live performance. I'll be like, they're like, think of like the mom and mean girls with the camera, like you're doing amazing, <laughs> sweetie. That's me. I don't need to be the star of the party. I will fuck the live performance because I could see me being a nervous wreck and then like trying to like vibe off the crowd and like having a good time also it's live it's one and done because i'm killing tv i don't like seeing myself in things i can't watch them back i can't listen to myself because i am like when i write and it gets edited i like reading the edited version because you can go oh i should have worded that way oh that was a good idea and things like that or maybe oh i don't like that tv radio podcast i sit there like hyper analyzing it and driving myself up a wall and then like the next time i feel like i'm so like tense because I'm like trying to not make the same mistake. So let's just, I'm, you know what? I curse too much for that too. Anyway, like it's <laughs> no, it's not for me. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm very good. Not doing that. Did I marry two things? I feel like I, I messed up whatever you catch my drift. Yeah. You, well, you explained your position. So it's yes. okay. And, yeah. and it's, I feel, I feel it's a like I line polyamorous <laughs> you know what we need a twist and turn like that in this yeah game. yeah it's a, we like too it many we like it we like I'm it marry, i'm gonna marry it all <laughs> <laughs> she's a lover folks i am going to i can't believe i'm saying this i'm going to marry live performance because kind of like Shayna, like when I'm on TV, I have, to, I have in my head, no one's watching. No one's ever like if someone says, oh, we saw you on TV or something, it blows my mind because I'm like, no one's watching. No one's seeing this. I can't think about that. Um, also, because then I probably don't have to do as much makeup as I do for TV, which is not my strong suit. Um, I will. Hmm. I guess, therefore, I will fuck being on TV because that's my literal job. So I should say nice things because yes. And I do enjoy, it is fun to 
educate and explain things in a different way. But I am just like Shana. I can't watch it back. It's torture. It's exhausting. Don't um, worry. So- I'll watch it. I'll watch it for you and send you my analysis as I do all the time. Don't worry. Thank you. you. That, that's like perfect. I said, bestie <laughs> off to the side. <laughs> and therefore, by default, I will kill. I don't know. Maybe not because I am kind of a, a I do want the attention sometimes too. I just want people to listen. To, when I have something important to say, I want to be able to say it. That's the thing. Yes. I think everybody or most people like attention. It's, it's, there's different types of attention, but I loved yeah. your honesty, Tara. Like, yes, I like attention. What are you going to do? Like when people on Twitter are like, oh, she just wants attention. So, okay. Why else am I on here? I love attention. <laughs> I know. I know. Ugh, if I didn't want sweet. attention, I would never say anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm literally on an app where I'm tweeting out my opinions to people. That's the point. Or another app where you're literally, your point is tweeting out pictures of yourself doing things. <laughs> yes, please like them. <laughs> well, Tara, we <laughs> cannot thank you enough. This was when we started planning this with you. The three of us were like fangirling. And those of y'all who are listening or watching this on YouTube, you didn't see. But when when she joined on, we all like lost our minds. So it has wow. been such a huge, 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 huge honor and privilege for us to have you here. We adore you. Thank you for coming on the show. Honestly, the feeling is so uh, reciprocal. I And for people who don't know, this happened because I basically forced myself on here. That's not true. <laughs> you guys replied to some tweets. I'm like, I just want to be on your podcast, which I do. And I have such admiration um, for all of you. You are such pros uh, in this business. And you also speak your mind in such you know, beautifully crafted ways and um, with such honesty and authenticity. So big love. You well, paved the way for that. And we cannot right. thank you enough. That's right. And I, I'm lit this episode. I may actually listen to because you said so many brilliant things that I was like, let's go. Like I was, I felt very motivated and centered. So thank you for being amazing. Um, we couldn't have a better guest on our show where again, we ask you to interact with us. You might end up on the show. If you tweet us <laughs> or post us on Instagram on both of those platforms, we are at two underscore much underscore man at both of those sites. You can also find links to our website, to our merch. We have hats. Look at Shana's beautiful hat that she is modeling for us today. We have mugs, we have switch cases, we have notebooks, we have sweatshirts, we have t-shirts all there waiting for you to buy and enjoy. Remember, we don't take that money. We turn that money around and donate it to causes or individuals who are doing what we ask you to do at the end of every episode, which is do something no matter how big or small to make sure that hockey truly is for everyone. We will talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.